Greetings and welcome to the Creative Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Pete Lorimer, former hit record producer and now host of the show Stay Here on Netflix and owner of LA's most yummily creative boutique real estate firm, PLG Estates. On the podcast, you will always find business and real estate strategies, marketing techniques, and tips for the entrepreneur. So make sure you slam crush absolutely batter that subscribe button. Thank you. On this week's episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about how the future belongs to the brave. What on earth is that, Pete? Well, being an entrepreneur means you are always in a constant state of evolution. However, the pace of commerce at the moment, it's moving as fast as lightning. And as human beings, our natural state, for the most part, is to take a comfortable route. But I live by the following rule which is I force myself to be in a constant state of discomfort as when I'm in discomfort, I know that I'm evolving and growing. And additionally, on the podcast today, I will be talking about how to use the connection economy. Uh, What the heck is that, Pete? Well, you will just have to stay tuned to find out on this week's fabulous episode of The Creative Entrepreneur Podcast. The future belongs to the brave. Okay, I'm going to really break that down and what I mean by it. But the future belongs to the brave. Now, the brave, when you think of brave, you think of our wonderful men and women in in the armed services, you know, putting themselves in harm's danger. Thankfully, for most of us who work in real estate, we're never going to have to do that. And if you are in real estate and you have been in the armed services, we are indebted to you as a nation. So... The future belongs to the brave. The bravery I'm talking about today is bravery in business. How does one muster up the courage to take some rather large leaps of faith when there isn't necessarily the evidence there? I'm going to give you some examples and then I'm going to finish today with utilizing the connection economy, which is something I am a massive believer in. So is Zig Ziglar. If you guys out there don't know who Zig Ziglar is, please Google him because he, along with Seth, along with a whole bunch of other guys that came before Gary and came before Grant Cardone, um, have been kind of talking about uh, the connection economy. They, they didn't call it that back then, but I want to, I want to, I want to kind of wrap everything with a big shiny red bow of the connection economy. So that is coming up. All right. So we are at a point, and I've been saying this for a while. I've been saying this for a year, but it, it has come to pass that it looks like I was correct because the, the real estate market, and again, I'm focusing on real estate today. The real estate market is going through a shift right? I'm not going to be talking about that too much, but things are changing. Interest rates are going back up. The US economy and the global economy, it's changing. When things change as human beings, as human beings, we tend to not like change. I'm one of the weirdos where I actually really love change and I embrace it and I kind of look forward to it. I find it quite exciting, but a lot of people are very adverse to change and I respect that. So when change happens, sometimes discomfort can set in, or may I even use a stronger word, which is fear. 
fear can begin to penetrate our belief structures. And then this is, in my opinion, the worst thing that can ever happen, which is letting fear take the wheel, right? When fear takes the wheel, we always crash. Bottom line, underlined, 10 feet tall. Whenever we make our decisions based on fear, we crash. I'm going to give you some examples right now of giants of industry that could have quite easily, when they hit a brick wall and when they, when they, when they were facing fear or uncertainty or discomfort, could have taken the easier, softer route and they didn't. And these are all people that you know, but you wouldn't have known them if they had essentially decided, you know what, it's a little bit too risky. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to move forward. And I'm going to kind of wrap everything today with how does risk work with us in our business? So I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But first of all, I want to tell you a story about a hero of mine. Probably one of the biggest inspirations for me uh, in business is Richard Branson. Richard Branson, fellow Brit, Um, I watched him as I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, doing all of these outrageous things that he did. And for me, they really registered as it was fun for him, but it was also a publicity stunt. And I've read his biographies and, and autobiographies. And it came to pass that that's exactly what they were. They were the perfect blend of, of fun and publicity and risk that allowed him to grow the Virgin companies to what they are today, which I believe is over 200 companies. So, I want to tell you the story of when he began, when he was launching Virgin Airways, right? Virgin Airways, which was back in, I don't know what, maybe the 90s, late 90s, early 90s, late 80s. And he was working with a particular bank and he put all of the Virgin Airways structure in place. All he needed to do was then just finance it to finish the deal. Richard Branson goes home, right? He had Virgin Music, Virgin Records and, you know, several other Virgin companies at this time. Richard Branson goes home and lo and behold, sitting on his doorstep, sitting on his doorstep is his bank manager that says, Richard, I'm terribly, this is on a Friday night. He had to pay, he had to make the payments to make sure Virgin Airways would go through by Monday morning. Friday afternoon, Friday after the bank has closed, the bank manager comes around and says, Bridget, we don't really feel, and I'm paraphrasing this, obviously, we don't really feel that what you're doing is in the best interests of the company. So therefore, not only are we not going to fund this, but we're actually calling all of our notes and you're going to have to pay the bank back all of the money that you've borrowed for Virgin. So this is Friday night. Most people at that point would go into, I mean, you would just shatter. or You can see your whole world becoming shattered in front of your eyes. So what Richard Branson did is instead of begging and scraping, which is probably what the bank manager wanted, uh, so that the bank could get a better deal, he said, you know what? Get the F out of my house. I'm not going to work with people that drop bombs on me like this on a Friday night. While he was facing utter annihilation of the virgin empire by monday morning so what did he do he rang around all the other industry leaders he could lay his hands on over that weekend to see if he could scramble to find the money and he says very poignantly that he was happy with it either way if he figured it out great if he didn't figure it out what's next and I, I have to say, those words have always been very powerful to me because I, I'm, a, I'm a very much what's next person. And to see someone in such a powerful position and, and facing such daunting odds just kind of uh, found the money, Virgin Airways happened, the rest is history, one of the most successful airlines, blah, 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 blah. Now, 
Failures, okay? Massive failures. People that failed, and I'm going to give you a couple of their kind of little catchphrases as well. Okay, Honda. We all know Honda. There must be millions and millions of Hondas around the world. Honda was actually fired from an engineering company because they didn't think his skills were very good. The poor guy was broke. He couldn't figure out a way to live. But instead of going to work for someone else and, for, and instead of like freaking out and panicking, he followed his gut. He followed his dream. The rest is history. He has a very, very poignant phrase, which is this. Your success represents 1% of your work, whereas 99% represents failure. Powerful stuff. Dyson, we all know Dyson, my fellow Brit, um, vacuum maker, right? His vacuums were rejected a mind-blowingly 5,000 times, 5,000 times before he managed to get investors to, to come aboard. He probably went through all the investors in the world that would invest in vacuum cleaners. Learn from your failures as one can never learn from success, he says. And I'm going to use Edison. We all use Edison because of the light bulbs. It took 1,000 failures to find the light bulb. But I'm, but I'm including Edison because of his uh, phrase, which I love, which is, as humans, giving up is what we are best at. Success is being able to try one more time. Powerful stuff. Okay, so I want to now flip this into, into the real estate world. What does this mean for the real estate world? So we're in a massive shift right now. Every week there seems to be a new portal. There seems to be a new iBuyer. There seem, the ground is literally shaking under our feet, which in California that makes us very nervous. But it really is shaking under our feet. And it's natural and understandable for us to want to withdraw, become conservative, and go into techniques that we know used to work. I am here to be the hand on your back to say, please, now is not the time for any kind of conservative behavior. Now is the time that we need to kind of suck up that courage and go out and do what we do best. And I'm going to get into this right now, which is utilizing the connection economy. You've heard me say this here a million times. What can never be replaced is you, okay? And there are skills that you as humans can learn that the computers and iBuyers and all of the other stuff that's going to be coming and, and deluging our industry can never be learned. So let's talk about some of the skills for the connection economy. If you do not have these skills, as Zig Ziglar says, they can be learned. Number one, when you meet someone, you can be engaging. Right. Being engaging with people, listening to them, hearing what their story is, what's the motivation for them? Why do they want to move? Why do they want to sell? And not having you know, our our response just kind of like, OK, well, they're going to say this. So I'm going to say that and they're going to say this and I'm going to say that. When you listen intently at people, when you hear the words that they're saying and listen to them as a story rather than as a client or as a commission or as a this or as a that. There is something really incredible that happens. You begin to be perceptive. You begin to have empathy. You begin to create loyalty. You are creating these connections that are all housed in this wonderful bubble known as trust. Trust is something that cannot be manufactured. It's either real or it isn't. You can't do a carbon copy of trust. And when people find you 
trustworthy and they find you funny or they find you knowledgeable or they find you inspired or you inspire them. Those are the, are the facets that can just never, ever, ever be repeated by all of the portals. And this is why, whether they're strangers or whether they're people that are in your database, these things are, are, are teachable skills. But it seems to me that our industry is obsessed, 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 obsessed with trying to find strangers through digital portals. And to me, that is bonkers. I'll give you another case in point. I was speaking with a very, very well-known agent in the Los Angeles area yesterday, right? Someone who I like and I admire, really nice guy, a little bit younger than me, very successful. And I said to him, I'm like, um, so I'm just going to call him Joe. His name wasn't Joe. I'm just going to say, so Joe, um, tell me about your marketing. What marketing do you do? He said, Pete, I don't really market. I said, do you do any ads? He's like, no, I don't really do any ads. I'm like, do you do postcards? He's like, nah, not really. I'm like, do you do any letters? He's like, nah. I'm like, so what is it that you do? He said, I constantly reach out to people all the time. I'm constantly just touching my database day after day after day after day after day after day after day. And this guy is one of the most successful uh, agents He's probably in one of the top 50 agents in Los Angeles, and he's a super, super nice guy. And it was very, very, very kind of comforting for me to hear that someone else is a big believer in this kind of way to run their business. Because once the fear sets in, as we spoke earlier, grabbing the wheel, once the fear sets in, people start going, oh, maybe I should buy Zillow leads, or maybe I should put money into, into iOffers, or maybe I should put money into this and money into that, because we begin to panic. I am here to say to you, and I believe this to my very bones, that what makes a difference between us and what's going on in our industry, because I went through this in the music business, is the following. It is utilizing the connection economy. We all have connections. Let's utilize them. Let's make coffee dates. Let's go out for dinners. Let's get in front of people. Let's attend kids' birthday parties. Let's wish them happy birthday. Let's give them a call. There's a million friggin' reasons. I'm putting my money where my mouth is because I have been a little bit, I've neglected some of my my database and I've made a point this year of digging into it and digging into the dark crevices and I'm here to tell you it works. It really, really works. Now, again, technology, we can augment what we do, right? We can use Zillow to augment what we do. We can use iOffers to augment what we do. But basing our business and placing it into the hands of other people, such as these portals, for me, is something that I could never, ever, ever do. So the future does indeed belong to the brave, just when you're beginning to panic and when you're thinking, oh my God, it's getting more difficult. Remember these words, utilizing the connection economy. Look up Zig Ziglar. Look up Seth Godin. Look up bloody Gary Vaynerchuk. We're all saying the same thing. Thanks so much for joining me. That's about it for this podcast. I hope you got something about the connection economy and also about how to smash your fears. Uh, speaking of smashing, please don't forget to smash, crush, blow up, and do whatever you need to do on that subscribe button. And I would appreciate if you think you know someone that might get value from this podcast, feel free to share it. That's what this is all about. We love to share everything we know. Why? Because knowledge is never owned, it's borrowed, and it's our duty to pass it on. So until next week, 
when there will be another deliciously scrummy podcast from yours truly. This is Pete Lorimer signing out from another extremely enjoyable episode of the Creative Entrepreneur Podcast. Mm-hmm.